Welcome to the Motor for Life radio show. I'm Robert Christensen. And I'm Devin Waite. Thank you for joining me, Devin. Thank you, Robert. Good to see you, man. You too, as always. It's yeah. great to be here. Yeah, yeah. I missed you last week. Yeah, I know, I know. I had some commitments, but... Uh, Tell but, us about it. You have a new baby, obviously, so that had something to do with it. Yeah, new baby, but moreover, third child, and uh, <laughs> what just means more birthday parties on the weekends. And oh, yeah, times three, right? Times three. Yeah, so there's there's more friends, more birthdays, and... and uh, this one was at a park. That's really good, you know, but my wife and I have to split time. So mm-hmm. one's with two boys and one's at home with the baby. So that's what I was doing. But that podcast you had last week was wonderful, Robert. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Devin. It was weird how it all came about, too. Yeah, yeah. Just magically had one on Friday that you recorded. Well, I was literally um, compelled. I mean, I there was, it was like a, a rope was tied around my chest, drugged me into the office here and sat me down. And I sat down to go do some other things. And I go, I can't do this. I have to get this out of me. Right. And it was strong. Yeah. It was yeah. really strong for the, me. The podcast was great. Well, thanks. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. So thanks for sharing your your truth yeah. with <laughs> us. Yes, it really is. It's important that... Um, you know, that we have clarity and we can speak our voice. So this week, to that point, <laughs> That's right. to that point, how to do more by doing less is the title of what we're trying to get done today. And what does that what does that title mean to you, by the way? Just share with everything. Well, it's a loaded title, but what it means to me is really evaluating a couple of things. One, what's important, and two, how are you making space in your life for the achievement of what's important to you. And um, there's there's some other things in there, but but that's that's it. That's where the hard work is. And I think it's easy for us to say what we want. It's hard for us to actually get there. That That's so true. It's a classic human condition, right? Mm-hmm. To say that I want to accomplish some goal in my life. And it's, and as you know, here uh, on this radio show, we talk about multifaceted. It's not just about money, okay? It's about having meaningful work and meaningful human relationships. And these two things are so tied together that everybody wants to feel like they're contributing to the betterment of the society or the whole. When it's just focused on you, forget about it. You're, you're not going to be able to get it done. Right. You, you, you can go for a period of time and then collectively the society turns on you, mm-hmm. right? Because you get what I call um, uh, displays of greed, and society does not like displays of greed, mm-hmm. right? And then the second part is that if you, you know, drive towards figuring out how I get strong human connections, you can make those leaps that we're talking about. So how do you do more? Meaning that how do you accelerate your life? And I, I think accelerate's a hard word. How do you attain what your heart's asking you to go do and do it by, by getting rid of stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of the heart and soul of what this came about. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. And I've been attending the intention setting workshops here at the Motive for Life workspace for, for quite some time. And I think I've only missed one. Yeah, you've been pretty remember. consistent. And I've enjoyed them, really have, Robert. And what's what that's done is it's giving me time and space to do that, to to really understand what's most important to me. And figure out a way to get there. And I have noticed that 
when I'm doing what I learn in those workshops, uh, making these these milestones and and learning how to get where I want to get, then I just feel like my compass is right. And and it's it's not about me. You mm-hmm. know, it's about like we talked about that human connection. And yes. My grandfather said, hey, do what you love and the money will come. And and I truly, truly believe that because for me, what what I love is connecting with humans yes. and and what Motive for Life does, helping them raise their self-worth. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I've been doing what I love now for quite some time and the money has come. Okay, I just want to be blunt with everybody on the uh, and transparent. Um, you know, financial security has come to me when I, when I spoke my truth. Whenever I had a deep truth inside me that had to come out and I held it back, it held back a lot of other things, including financial success. But as soon as I started living my true self, my authentic self, and got clear on what that meant, finances suddenly got better. You know, yeah. just got better. You talk about unhitching the, the trailer of what we believe everybody else thinks we should be right. and, and really knowing our true self. And Robert, you've, you've done that really well. You've, you've got, you just carry yourself like, you know, exactly who you are, exactly what you want. And, uh, and that's why I was attracted to, you know, working with you. And, and I believe that's why people come through motive for life as well too. So yeah. getting there, um, you know, if, if we can help people get there, then, there are chances of success and, and, you know, getting to achieve their goals are just so much greater. And I've experienced in my own personal life. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, um, <clears throat> I think the um, way that we're going to structure this uh, podcast, this radio show is in three sections today. The first section, we're going to talk about what it means to be focused, you know, um, and, and, and how do you get on your goal in the second section of this, we're going to update you. Excuse me, we're going to update you on our whiteboard skills and where we are on that, and how our last meetup went. Right. Okay. And then third uh, section, as we do always, we're going to be talking about how do you allow for the flow of good to come into your life so that you can do more by doing less. All right. So, uh, so, so, just be transparent right here. The the only way you are going to do more by doing less is to understand and to focus on your goal. And without a goal that you know is definite, I I go all the way back to Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill had the 16 laws of success that he listed in the back of his book, and the law of successes. And he recognized that all of the successful people in the world up to that time, this is in the 30s when this book was published, he recognized that all of them had one characteristic that was absolutely you. uh, consistent across all of them. That is, they all had a definite vision of their goal. They were crystal clear, crystal clear. And he was talking to our Carnegie, Ford, Firestone, all of these Titans, uh, Rockefeller, all of them. And they were all very clear about what it is that they want to do. And he had interviewed some 20,000 people mm. to get to where he was, uh, was doing this, this work. And they were all very clear. And what he called it was your definite purpose. What is it that you are doing. Mm -hmm. And when we present people with that question, the eyes widen, the, the blood drains from their face. They often do not know how to answer that question. And, you know, some of the other folks who are just more trying to fill out a rote question will respond back with, I want to attain wealth. 
I want to do these different things in my life, you know. But in reality, when we started pressing into them about understanding what their true definite purpose is, they didn't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's an exercise you do often here, and that's going from the broad or the unspecific to the specific. Right. And you're right. great at doing that, Robert, really pushing people to get there. And, and it's, it's, it's almost fun to watch them go through that process of, of how do I actually, how do I get specific about what I want? Because obtaining wealth is, well, that's a generalization. It's a very general. Like, like, yeah. Think mm-hmm. about it like a knob, right? So a volume knob, you have a volume knob goes from one to 10. Well, unless you're in spinal tap, it went to 11. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, if you go from, if you think of, I want wealth as a one setting on generality, it's so general. And it means nothing. What does that, what does I want wealth mean? It's relative. You ask somebody in India what wealth is, and you ask somebody who lives in Southern California what wealth is, and you're going to get completely two different answers, right? It's cultural. It's, it's what they're seeing day to day, how they get, uh, you know, benefits in their life, where they see prosperity in their life. And so you, and then if you were in Southern California and you ask somebody what's wealth mean to them, and they're going to give you a completely different set of answers as well. So unless you are specific about what it is that you want to attain, you're not going to be able to be focused. And without focus, you cannot eliminate the things that are in your way. And so with wealth, let's just stay on wealth for a second. If you don't know what the number is for you, what, you know, like what, what that number is, what is, what's the number, like what's your net worth going to be? Is it a million dollars? Is it $10 million? Is it $50,000 in cash in the bank? Is that wealth to you? Is it 10,000? Who knows what that number is? And without that clarity and understanding what that is, um, we can't get to the next step. Okay. And, you know, from, from my perspective, Devin, you know, this is something that strikes both you and I at the heart, you know, and, and that's just making space. It is. Yeah. And allowing yourself to make that space is sometimes difficult. And we use the term pruning. Yeah. So getting rid of those things that are taking up space in your life that aren't going to help you get to your goal and, and your specific goal. And Robert, that's not always my daily activities. It's it's not. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out, uh, you know, this um, TV watching. It's oftentimes it's the voices and the messages inside of your head. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe something around a a, a relationship that's just kind of carrying on. Maybe we're trying to help somebody and they're just not wanting to to help back or help themselves. And right. and so it's 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 really not just I think when I think about pruning, I think about, well, what activities of my day can I cut well, out? Well, we got to start there. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's be clear, all right? Because yeah. um, I have a habit of traveling down multiple roads mm-hmm. <laughs> and not driving down any of them well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, let me rephrase that. I've gotten a lot better at it. Okay. Focus in my life has gotten significantly better. It was not the case, though. Right. You can't expect to um, achieve a goal if you're always darting around with your attention at different activities, even mm-hmm. if they're philanthropic, right? Even if they're commitments that you know that you've said that you're going to go do. The key there is to know when to drop something. And people have a hell of a time dropping stuff. Right. Saying yeah. no. That's true. Yeah, very much. You know, they'd rather say maybe and then never show up. Right. 
Yeah. Or go ahead and say yes and overcommit. Right. And, and then never deliver. Yeah. And which brings her self-worth down. Well, here's here's the thing I, I think that pruning does is it forces a decision. If you can't commit to being someplace on time and to doing a high quality of work, then it needs to be pruned. Mm-hmm. I know that you've got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, family is a great example, but even with whiteboard skills as our as our exactly. side gig, you know, where where are I had to find out where I'm making space for that, and yep. part of it was some daily uh, some daily attention, making space for that, and I'm sure I cut out, let's call it maybe some social media and just some mm-hmm. some non-productive stuff. Well, Tim did that for us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tim forced us. He forced us to focus and prune a bunch of stuff that we were trying to go do. That's true. That's true. And and the direction that we were going, he he helped us get there better by pruning. You're absolutely right. Right. So when you when you clear up this stuff, so think about it like this. If 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 you're have a backyard that's full of weeds, full of stuff that needs to be turned back. Let me speak from personal experience. Okay. We had some work done on our front yard and they put some hardscape in. And when they do hardscape, they tear up the rest of the yard, right? There's just no way getting around it. You got cement and rocks and stuff like that. And so we've had a lot of rain in Southern California. So within like three weeks, I had a jungle in my front yard. I mean, we're talking three feet high weeds. I mean, in Southern California, we've got something, uh, they're uh, orange um, mustard plants. Yeah. Orange, not orange or yellow. Okay, mustard plants, and they grow so dang fast. I mean, it's like a, they grow like a couple inches a day sometimes. I just look at them, they're huge. So we had a whole yard full of them. And I thought to myself, I really don't like the look of that, you know? Um, and so I had to get out there and clean it up. Right. Right. And, and so I look at my life that way, and it's as, as a metaphor for how things are going. Right. Well, and when you're, when you're pruning a tree or a plant, mm-hmm. when you're, you're doing it, you're doing it correctly, you're actually helping that plant grow better. So, uh, so that's, that's how the metaphor works for me too, is whatever that goal is, I need to be pruning around Mm -hmm. it to help it, to Mm -hmm. help it grow better. So here's your challenge as you're listening here, wherever you're driving, you're listening on your, your mobile device. If you're in the car at home, it doesn't much matter. Um, ask yourself, what's got to go make a list. Oh, just make a list and then ask yourself what of that of that list can has got to go for you to get focused mm-hmm. right and then finally once you've done that it will become time for you to speak your truth around your goal that's really important robert when i think of individuals and the thoughts that are running through their heads right now think about a relationship you know, oftentimes we, we carry on these relationships, um, may not be with our, our, you know, our, our wives or our, our significant others, but some other type of relationship that's right. just not serving you yep. in a, in a way that's going to help you achieve your goals. Yep. And so when you speak your truth that this is my goal, this is why I'm cleaning up my life. And you're clear with the people in your life about why you're doing this. Because some of these people might feel offended. They might feel like they didn't get treated fairly. They think that they were counting on you to do something for them. Um, and you may have to say, I can't do that anymore. I'm, 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 I am unable to commit to that anymore because I need to speak my truth. And when you are clear with that, there really isn't any arguing on it. I mean, they can't say, hey, you're wrong for following your own voice. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. What they may be is hurt. Right. And disappointed. But that's on them. It really is. It really is. And this is such a grounding piece around worthiness. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I am worthy of having a goal and focusing on it. I am worthy of discarding, cleaning up and trimming away the things that are not serving that goal. And I am especially worthy of speaking truth that is mine. Mm-hmm. As difficult as that may be. It is. And if the other person is upset in this particular scenario or makes you, tries to make you feel bad, s- stick to your core. Stay truthful. That's right. Yeah. That's it's right. It's going to help you in the long run. It's fantastic. All right. We're going to take a break right now and come back. This Motor for Life radio show. Welcome back to the Motor for Life radio show. Thank you for joining us again. Devin, how are you doing? I'm great, Robert. Thank you. Hey, man, right into whiteboard skills. Uh, so how did our meetup go? It went really good. It went really good. Yeah, we had a few attendees, uh, but another repeat. Uh, and she is an accountant and has made that very clear. And she's really the only accountant I think we've had in the room. Uh, we've had a lot of other people. And, and so... What she does, she's made it clear that she's not really using a whiteboard in terms of, uh, you know, facilitating in front of people, but she keeps coming to the course. This is her third time. Third time. And she's mentioned how much she enjoys it. We've seen how much she improves time and time again. It is. But uh, we both said yesterday that she must just be gearing up for something great. And, and we don't know what that is. We but, did. And I, and she yeah. actually let us in on it. I don't know if you heard or not. Um she said that I went and took a art class for the first time and she's breaking out and did her own artwork and she got a lot of really positive feedback that she did some great artwork, okay. right? And I think it has to do with her wanting to speak her truth and getting over the fear of criticism. And whiteboarding was her first step mm-hmm. into writing on a wall. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah, putting that putting pen that pen, to a canvas. Exactly, exactly. And it's such an easy step. I mean, it's such a small step because there's you're not selling it. You're not doing anything like that. It's a very safe room. Mm-hmm. You know, we had five people in there. Uh, that was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so that was good. It was good, yeah. And, and then we had a, a gentleman that was younger gentleman mm. With a startup, software startup. Yeah, software developer. Software developer focused on AI, and that was really neat. We had a great conversation around that. But he's been in multiple whiteboarding interviews. And so he saw the meetup, and then he saw your credentials, and, and that caught his attention. He came in, and I just felt like we helped advocate for him and empower in him in a very, very big way. And I think he'll continue to use whiteboard skills as a resource. Well, if you don't mind, let's go a little deeper on him. Sure. Because I think he was um, typical of many of the technology people I know. Okay. Um, he's generally an introvert. Okay. If you know Myers Briggs, the MBTI, he's on the introvert side. And as a software developer, um, he was definitely very focused on doing the right thing. You know, what's the next thing I need to do? Checking off some boxes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But but one of the things that I that I noticed about him immediately 
is that his arms were crossed and his legs were crossed every time he was talking or writing on the wall and stuff like that. And so a big part of an interview cycle uh, in the software development world, so as you start thinking about your career advancement and raising your self-worth, is openness, is opening your body, having your hands visible, and especially when you're doing whiteboarding. And that is that untangle yourself, you know. He, one of the optical things we noticed, right, is that he tended to write up into the corner mm -hmm. and he write all his letters tight. Yeah. Very, very crammed up into the corner. Up at the top, yeah, crammed so, up tight. Which, which was in line with how he was standing, mm -hmm. which was wrapped in his arms. He's had his arms crossed and his legs crossed. And so I encouraged him to untangle himself, unravel himself. Um, and that came out in his writing, right? And by the final lesson we did, yeah. he was significantly more spread out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to to kind of visualize this because that's that's exactly it's like a how it almost, was. Yeah. yeah, and and by the end, as you're telling him to open up, as you're telling him, uh, uh, as we are instructing him how to how to write his words right. more straight and and spread them out and use the whole board. And then you even give him some feedback about the actual interview process and and set some. Some ground rules. I'm I'm gonna write in caps, you know. I'm gonna mm -hmm. and and you you gave him a pin case, which yeah. I just thought was was awesome. And so he's gonna come with his own tools to his next interview, wherever right. that is, and being prepared. So if you're interviewing this individual, you see him prepared, you see him open, he's setting some some ground rules, and yep. and then you talk to him, we talk to him about moving back and forth from the whiteboard to the audience, because what's really important in those interviews is engaging with the audience and they want to see how you engage with them, but also how you get from point A to point B while you're engaging. You got to verbalize them. it. Yeah. So those, those skills that he learned yesterday, I, I just, when you envision that, how he came in and how he left. It was only an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and the words coming out of the, every, the, the other three, the three people there that were yesterday were I write terrible and I'm embarrassed to write. Those were, that's what the language, I, I wasn't listening, I wasn't turning and watching, but I would hear it. I hear people critique themselves. And by the time they were done, it's ridiculous how far they go in, one, in just a, a, a 90 minute session. It really is. It's stunning. No regression, the, the lettering cleaned up, they had permission to do stuff that they didn't think they could do. And we had one more person, your personal friend, actually. Yeah, yeah. A good friend of mine came in, and, and he's a, he's an impactful speaker. He is, yeah. yeah he's he, definitely a facilitator. He, he definitely is. He does that by trade, um, along with other things. But I know he's got a couple people, and, and I know these individuals that put on a different uh, workshops and, and conferences on a regular basis, and they will call on him in a pinch if the regular speaker doesn't mm. come in. So that's that's how prepared he is. And mm. he's got some topics uh, just wrapped up nicely to go and present on. And one of the things that he talked about was that he refuses to use PowerPoint, which I just love because we've right. talked about that. Right. And uh, and so that was kind of his introduction into into facilitating with a whiteboard. But he's talking about topics like parenting, um, like um, substance use disorder and, mm -hmm. and and families working on that and uh and relationships and and uh re relationships with maybe a church or or with their higher power and stuff like that and so these to his audience these are impactful topics they are so i'm i'm really excited about him using the whiteboard in those facilitation times it, it was really interesting to watch 
how the confidence in his own personal skill set went from what I would consider a one on a scale of one to 10. By the time he left, his confidence was somewhere around a seven or an eight. It was substantial. Yeah. I mean, in, in each person and what we, Devin and I recommend as you continue to listen to us talk about whiteboarding, which is fundamentally stripping away formality. When you're having an interaction with either client or coworkers or group, and you're trying to get to some meaningful co-creation or connection with the other with the, the members in here, it does not happen well or easily with a PowerPoint or a presentation. It's very rigid. doesn't facilitate a conversation. But when you are confident enough to pick up a pen and write on a wall and jot down thoughts and stuff like that, people go on the journey with you mm -hmm. and they are naturally drawn to it. They love that process. They feel like they were included in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a part of that co-creation process. Yes. They're a part of creating the story, telling the story. Yep. And, um, and that's where that deep and meaningful human connection comes in. It is. And so as you think about the, where you are with your career and what you want to do, I, we encourage you to go to the whiteboardskills.com website and download the seven secrets of great whiteboarding. What we're asking for, for this free gift is that you just give us three answers to some questions, right? We do not market you. We're going to you know, send you some videos. We're going to send you some more secrets and stuff like that. But this is not a list that gets sold or put out to anybody. Um, and it's with great intentions that we want to learn more about why you would want to do this. And so I, I'm very proud of what we've done so far. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just kind of getting that avatar down and understanding yeah. what the true what people really want to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Help us grow our business, please. And, yeah, and yeah. deliver. We're not, we're not even selling anything yet. Right? <laughs> you know, but one of the things that's always been, uh, I, I, oh, here, hey, I know what I, I forgot to mention. I was at a conference um, earlier in the week where I was the keynote speaker for a company called CDW. CDW is um, a big distributor of computer mm -hmm. technologies and stuff like that. So they're, they're a really great company. We're partnering with them. HPE has a great partnership with them. And um, they asked me to speak, okay? And I, 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 I was, uh, wow, I was able to do that. The key there, what I started off with was I pulled out my own personal pack of whiteboard pins mm -hmm. and I gave it away as a gift for the people who could, who the, for the person who could ask the most or the, uh, the most pointed or best question. That's great. In the room. Challenged I challenged them. And so by the time we were done, there was a bunch of hands in the air and they, and I don't think they really understood how important it was for me giving away my whiteboard pins. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think they, they don't understand. think they had any context about how, how, how hard that was yeah. for me, but I gave them away to this one guy. Anyway, um, I, I still think that we need to, um, put some mindfulness around a package and mm -hmm. get some pens together and stuff like that. Not yeah. the actual pens themselves, but uh, being able to get a package together and get them out to people. So that said, so uh, hey, great whiteboard session. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. Really enjoyed it. Good, yeah, good. Another good one. Hey, we're going to come back here in just a second. Hang on and we'll finish up our How to Do More by Doing Less podcast. This is Robert Christensen. Welcome back to the Motor for Life radio show. This is Robert Christensen. This is Devin Waite. Devin, we're back at it again. And now that we're in the car, heading towards our goal, we've got a ship 
trimmed and sailing towards the GPS system uh, uh, point that we have on our compass and we're going that direction. We've gotten everything out of the way and we're speaking our truth and we're feeling good. However, <laughs> there comes the doubts yes. and the self-sabotage yes. and the things that I keep doing to myself to stop me from succeeding. Right. Yeah. And the self being the obstacle at that That's point. Right. We've, pr we've pruned out everything else. So what are those messages in my head? Uh, what are those things getting, getting in the way, uh, messaging mm -hmm. those things? of me continuing to succeed. And we see this time and time again where individuals will sabotage themselves because they are starting to succeed towards their goals. Right. And it's those self-defeating thoughts and, and it comes in subconsciously and, and it allows for some behaviors back in. The thoughts lead to the behaviors right. that lead to the self-sabotaging that, uh, that can just make you get off track and you're not it's going crazy that way yeah yeah you're you're you lose your direction and and people don't know that they're doing it you're in a fishbowl being asked to describe what it's like being in a fishbowl right right how's the and water we, how's the water <laughs> what the hell are you talking about right you don't know you're in water until you come out of it right you, you don't know you've been sleeping until you come out of it right so so the awakening that, that easing up on yourself has to occur somehow. You've have to, to, in my experience, if you haven't smashed your face against the wall metaphorically, or maybe even physically, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and have crashed and burned, you do not know what it's like to have um, what I call sacrificed your own personal identity or your own dream to achieving something and then have suffered the consequences of your own behaviors that have gotten in the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And people will do this by succeeding in an area. Let's say they get the job they want and then, oh, yeah. and then it, it pick falls a fight apart. with the boss. Yeah. Pick a fight with the boss, pick a fight with, with your significant other, your loved one. How, how are you going to sabotage it this time? Well, there's another one. Uh, got, got that raise and promotion you always want go spend the money. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and then let me, let me, let's be clear. I know that people want to succeed and then use that extra money to make life better. Okay. I get that. Right. What I encourage people that I coach to do is when you get that, wait, wait before you decide you're going to use that money and give it time to cool off. Because um, those decisions that you make right on the heels of successes are often um, ones that you potentially may regret later. Give yourself a little cooling off time. I call it cooling off time, right? Mm -hmm. In that red zone. You had to cool off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the red zone. And yes. I know some of the listeners have, have probably heard that before, but maybe some haven't. Mm -hmm. And so that is a lingo that we use here at Motive for Life that... I'm in the red zone and, and knowing when you're in the red zone is that self-awareness. That's right. And it, and it ties into being easy on yourself because identifying it is, it's like you, you name it, then you can do something about it. And, and sometimes you could be down the road and some of that self, you know, sabotaging behavior and, and still 
name it, but you might have the ability to step back and, and, and come back. And so having people to talk to like a coach mm-hmm. and uh, run things by and having them direct you with our stuff and Tim giving us great feedback, it's, it's really important, you know, to have that because then you can see the big picture, you know, take, take care of those thoughts or those behaviors that are getting in the way and, and really be easy with yourself and get yourself out of the way of your success. Well, let me, let, let's be a little bit more um, specific on actions. Sure. On, on, on being easy on yourself. And it has to do with asking for help. And let's be also clear on what the red zone is. The red zone is often an emotional state of anxiety, of fear, of, oh my God, now what do I do? I got a promotion. I got that job, right? I'm now in a committed relationship. I asked somebody to marry me, right? I, I, I found out that my, um, my partner is pregnant and has, or I'm pregnant, you know, if you're a woman listening, obviously. Um, now, you know, you just start seeing the changes, right? These are fantastic, great things to happen to you. You may have had that career move that you're looking for. You may have shifted into doing something you want to do your whole life. Mm-hmm. All of these things are what we call upper limit problems. And you have this emotional anxiety, what I call free floating anxiety of life is getting really good and I'm not quite certain how to handle it. I have all these new commitments. What if I screw it up? All the responsibilities go with it. So we, so we naturally self-destruct around that and that makes it tough. And so we call that the red zone. Yeah. Okay. So recognizing that you have that. So if you are feeling those things, but in every case of your life, your life's going well, you have good health, you're feeling like life's going well and stuff like that. But, but if someone was to, if you were to ask a friend, tell me how you see my life, or do you think I've got a, and that's the part we got to have help. What do you see as a friend of mine? And they're going, God, your life is great, man. You got all these great things, but you may not not see it. Mm-hmm. You may think that you got all these pressures and stuff like that. So it's important to get a perspective of somebody else to tell you. That's number one. Number two, the key here is sharing with somebody else the concept of an upper limit problem. Because most people don't understand what that means. Mm-hmm. And when you get people who are close to you, your friends, your confidants, a, a, a mentor that you really rely on, somebody in, uh, in your business and stuff like that, and say, hey, I've been studying this concept called an upper limit problem. And it's really documented well in a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I highly recommend that you read that book. Um, talks about the upper limit. And when you tell that to people you know, and you say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. It's called an upper limit problem. And you can step and talk to those people and say, hey, I'm going through this right now. And they understand. It takes away the embarrassment of feeling bad for having success. Mm-hmm. That's really important. That's a super important thing that, that people feel that they got to keep quiet about their success and the problems that it's creating for them and the damage that it's creating for them. And what ends up happening is that they end up internalizing all this stuff and they set fire to their life. And they crash and burn it, and it makes it triply bad because they screwed it up. Right. Yeah. And the recovery from that oh, is just tremendous. It's tremendous. And mm-hmm. having done that five or six times in my life since my 20s is, is traumatic. Mm-hmm. Traumatic. I lost our dream house with my wife and I. Dream house, right? We had worked really hard to get it, and I was well past my upper limit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Didn't know it, though. Did not know it. 
And I struggled and, and like that. And then finally something happened, right? You know, I, the house went away. That was the crash that I needed inside me to, to make me understand what's wrong here. Mm-hmm. What's really wrong. So you got to ask for help, right? Yeah. You got to be willing to ask for help and know those individuals that can share that language. That's critical. Upper limit, red zone. And, and one thing I want to make clear too, is that that upper limit and red zone that continues to go higher mm-hmm. and higher and higher. That's why it's called an upper doesn't limit. doesn't stop. It doesn't stop and it shouldn't stop. As you continue to succeed and, and raise your self-worth, that upper limit upper limit area is just going to get higher, but it's, it's always going to be there. So knowing that you're in the zone or not knowing, but mm-hmm. having somebody to point it out to you, having the ability to ask for help if you're in that area, and I can really relate to that, having anxiety this last year you know we've we've uh done wonderful things you have a new a new child in our family got a new house um you know started making some um, improvements in in business and starting another business and and all that and you and have a bunch of good stuff that on. that or anybody from the outside looking in so you're right that guilt that can almost go along with why am i having so much anxiety with all these wonderful things and and the risk of sabotaging it so so you know so there's a a reaction to those emotions is just great so when people connect and talk about that upper limit problem it really takes the power out of it it does it does it, it gets people on the same page and then you can talk about what are the things that you can do to be comfortable in this area and and how can i help you do that and as men Sometimes that's really tough to do. It's, to it's ask hard for, help. for guys. I find you know, these are generalities. I find that women seem to are, are able to ask and receive help more readily than men. Men have this um, "I got to handle it myself" thing, and we we will suffer immensely instead of just asking for help. Um, and I have learned that. When I feel sideways, when I'm going down a rabbit hole, I, I went to bed feeling fine and I woke up all screwed up. What the hell happened, right? <laughs> Life was good when I went to bed at 10 o'clock. My wife and I kissed each other and said, hey, love you. It was fantastic. I went to bed with a smile on my face and I woke up and everything's all screwed up. What the hell, right? <laughs> and, you know, so, okay, my psychology is really exercising that upper limit issue. Yeah. It really is. And here's the thing, is I pick up the phone, like I did this on the way over before we did the podcast, by the way. I called my friend, Kevin. I said, Kevin, you know, I am living a big life right now and I am freaked out, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the thing after having years of, of working with this is that I recognize it and I know what to do. I know that if I got this emotion, some flags go off, it's time for you to go do these things, Robert, and talk to some people about it. And I do. I absolutely do. And you have to build up people around you, understand the lexicon of the terms that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss this again. You had mentioned it earlier, and it, it, I'll come back to it again. The guilt associated with success and the anxiety that comes with it cause us to clam up and say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. Right? Because all you're going to do is just sabotage your success. Yes. Right. That will, in some weird way, make you seem like things are better. Like, how, how, how can I sabotage my success? Just even thinking about that is, 
is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's characteristic of every human, by the way. Look at, I mean, you have to seriously be some sort of rainbow stripe unicorn, okay, out there in the world who has been able to go through these successes, these steps of successes without having serious sabotage. We look at every, just about every sports figure has had this challenge. Every um, politician in some shape or form has had these in some place, right? Mm -hmm. The richest people in the world have had these recently, okay? Have had this happen. It is not uncommon. It is very characteristic. And so when they come clean publicly, they said, hey, I don't know what happened. This is how my bad behavior got to me. It's amazing how fast we forgive them. Look at Tiger Woods. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah. This is a guy who seriously had an upper limit problem, great, right? Great upper limit problem. Remember, to the point yeah. where his wife took a, one of her, her, his golf clubs to yeah, him. chasing him down the chasing street. Chasing down the street. I just thought to myself, man, you know, this guy literally rolled a grenade into his, his life and blew it up. It, publicly. Publicly, right? And he could... And, he had everything, right? Yeah. And then people wondered, well, what happened to Tiger Woods? And he was he was getting well, you know. That's what he better, was doing. He getting, was getting well. Yeah. Recalibrating. Talk about a guy who who you know, I don't know him, but it speaks to this somewhere. I don't think you can come back after that devastating of a of a self sabotage move and do what he did. He won the um uh the, the masters right to open. And and do it with such um, confidence that he had. There's something there. I'd be just super excited to ask him, mm-hmm. you know, if this this theory that we have makes sense. And did he let people help him? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I hope he did. I hope he did too. <laughs> he yeah, because I, yeah. I don't know how you could. I mean, yeah. you, you have to. The only you can't resurrect such a trash career like that without having some good guidance, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, red zone, yes. upper limit, um, really being able to talk to somebody, having yep. people in your lives that have that that um, same vocabulary. Vocabulary. Yeah. Another book, Robert, I'd, I'd like to recommend is one by Sean Webb called Mind Hacking Happiness. And mm. he talks about naming it and taming it, you know, mm. and he's talking about emotion, but it plays very well into that red limit. Uh, I'm sorry, red zone and upper limit. So if you're if you're there, whether you're naming it or somebody else is, and and then you can tame it, you get control of it, and you keep moving up, then um, your chances of success are so much greater. Great, great, great. So hey, um, wrap it up here a little bit. But uh, how to do more by doing less? I think I think we've come full circle on this right now. So let's wrap up a little bit. We so we named what the goal is, right? Yeah, stay focused on the goal. Write it down. That's right. Make a vision board. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the vision board is really good. If you don't know how to do that, a lot of tools online for people to teach you how to do that. Right. You know, a lot of videos. I think they're great. Um, and then you're going to prune and make space for it. That's right. And then make and speak your truth. Speak your truth and ease up on yourself. Mm, yep. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And last uh, but not least, you know, um, Make sure that uh, um, you've got people in your life that have that vocabulary. That right. Then they let you, let you, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times it's just them listening. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 you can get this stuff out. So, hey, this is Robert Christensen. And this is Devin Waite. Thank you for joining us for the Motor for Life Radio Show. Catch us at motorforlife.com and download the gift. The gift is a 90 day 
Um, set of readings. They take about five minutes every day. It's free. There's nothing to do. Just uh, we'll send you the email and uh, you'll get it out to you. Um, it's part of the book, The Bug in Our Brain. It's available on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, the Bug in Our Brain is about raising worthiness and it has all of this language that we just talked about in here. Um, and we believe it is a key part of that. And of course, come by whiteboardskills.com and tell us what you think about um, our stripping away of formality and starting to go back to our ancient caveman days of writing on walls. <laughs> so we're really happy to be here with you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Production of Motive for Life, all rights reserved. Music by bensound.com. For further information, contact Motive for Life at info at motiveforlife.com or visit us at motiveforlife.com.